Podcast Ball Show. Brought to you by JohnPLE.com. What the f*** you think is my opinion of it? I think it was f***. Put that in. I don't So the Tribe drops its third straight on this trip. Six to one to the Rangers. For the Indians, one run on, let's see, one hit. That's all we got. One goddamn hit. Don't worry, nobody's listening anyway. I'm talking about the past, I'm talking about the history, I'm talking about what's great about this game of baseball. There's so much stuff that we talk about. I would say I would know, but I would say the reason why they want to ask is baseball going into the highest baseball sport that has gone into baseball and from the baseball angle. I'm not going to speak of any other sport. Let me start by telling you this. I have never used steroids, period. Jerry? Just remember, it's not a lie if you believe. And this, he sucks. Well, he is out. Well, he's out. Yes, sir. Brad is out. Look, look at this. Brad is out. And uh, Damon Matt. I'm not here to argue about other sports. I'm in the baseball business. It's been run cleaner than any baseball business that was ever put out in the 100 years at the present time. Sell the team. Welcome back, John Pielli, Passball Show, MTR Radio Network. Of course, hour two of the radio program. We're going to jump into a couple interviews I recorded this past week. The first one is with longtime Major League pitcher Ron Ballone. And Ron, of course, spent 15 seasons in the Major Leagues, played with 12 different teams, and only one person in Major League history has played with more Major League organizations than Ron Ballone. And that, of course, is Octavio Dotel, who is currently a free agent and may have a chance to play for his 14th organization if he decides to come back in the 2013 season. But Ron Vallone, Mike Morgan, Matt Stairs have all played with 12 different teams. And Ron obviously had a long career. He grew up in New Jersey, uh, came up with the Seattle Mariners organization, drafted in the first round in 1992, made his debut there, was traded several times throughout the course of his career, made it to the postseason in 2001 with the Houston Astros, and in 2006 and 2007 with the New York Yankees, the team that he happened to grow up and root for uh, in the late 70s. So hopefully you guys enjoy this spot. Longtime Major League pitcher and current pitching coach in the Chicago Cubs organization, Ron Vallone. Good afternoon, it's John Pielli, and I'm here with longtime former Major League pitcher Ron Vallone. Ron, thanks for having a couple minutes, man. Hey, listen, man, before we get into your playing career, tell us a little bit about, you know, what you're up to now and, you know, how you got into coaching. Uh, well, for me, it was a little bit of uh, a natural transition. My last three or four years playing, I, uh, I was able to be in AAA some, and being the eldest player there, uh, you know, there's taking some guys under my wing, sometimes uh, on my own, sometimes I was asked to do it a little bit by some people I was uh, working with playing for, and, you know, I enjoyed that aspect. I enjoyed sharing my knowledge of what I know and, and, and how to get hitters out and, and how to do some other things than just, you know, throw a ball. You know, there's a lot to be said about coaching. If you can share information and you can get guys to use it and, and kind of use it on the field, and it doesn't have all kind of information in it, but to make them better, then uh, I guess you're doing something right. So... I was, I was, like I said, I was fortunate as a lawyer in the last three, four years of my career to do that. And, and I guess uh, you know, when I knew it was time to, to hang them up, uh, I, 
was a real fortunate somebody gave me an offer to, to take a job coaching, and uh, I was pretty much ready to do it right away. Now back back to playing. Now when when you when you when you came up, you know you, you pitched for obviously a long time for many teams. Did, did you did you feel that maybe in some ways, uh, you know, some of the things that you picked up later on in your career would have been more beneficial for you to know maybe when you were younger? Yeah, you can say that definitely. I mean, that's 20 but also, you know, learning by success and failure, which you do as a young player a whole lot, uh, it, it makes you better and stronger when you're older when you don't have that same kind of physical gifts, those tools that get you so far when you're young. No, so, absolutely. Uh, you know, there's, there's something to be said. There's a, there's a good balance to do. Yeah, because you know, when when you're when you're when you're playing, and you know, obviously, it's the one thing that you know. You you, you knew how to pitch. You know, for from a young age, you're obviously very successful at it. That's how you ended up making it to the major leagues. But you know. You know, a lot of people just don't don't realize that there's things that you end up picking up that you don't know when you come in. I think from the from an outsider perspective, it's more about it's more like, well, listen, they're gifted, they're athletes, they they should be able to do everything perfect. But you know, it's a, it's a, it's a transition as you go on year year after year after year. You keep having to make adjustments. Make adjustments. When you're playing against world class athletes, the best baseball players in the world from all different countries, you know, you you've got to be able to adapt and make adjustments on the fly. And when you're a younger player, uh, you know, the game can speed up on you a little bit. You know, understanding that there's teams that like to play real good fundamental ball, like to hit and run like the bunt. That's the situation, you know, situate your infield and, and know who's there. You know, Again, John Pialli here with Ron Valone. Now, you know it takes you back to when you were younger. You know, you, you grew you grew up in New Jersey, became a first round draft pick of the Seattle Mariners in 1992. Tell us a little bit about that. Take us back to your youth, and then you you first coming through the minors, and then making your major league debut. Yeah, baseball was my first love when I was And then 
crowd here to take a chance on me to see how Mariners do, and, and uh, I learned a whole lot because I was around a whole bunch of good professionals uh, in my young career, like Chris Baggio or Randy Johnson. I mean, it's just, just watching them day in, day out, how they prepare, because, you know, it's not all physical. It's just so much mental. I, I was able to be around guys at a very young age be able to, you know, pass that on. No, that's awesome that you mentioned, you know, a couple a couple guys that kind of, uh, you know, were, were there to inspire you and kind of uh, maybe take you under their wing a little bit. Was there any type of pitcher that maybe pitched before or was pitching at the time, uh, you know, when you were drafted and trying to, you know, come up and make it to the major leagues that you kind of emulated yourself after? You know, I wouldn't say emulated, but, you know, I had uh, I had a few guys that I looked up to and I tried to follow as a young player, and, uh, you know, Ron Gidry was one. I was, you know, growing up right outside New York City, New Jersey, and watching the Yankees win the series of 77, 78. I, I kind of had some ideas of what I wanted to be like as a pitcher. But obviously when you get a little bit older, you start playing yourself, and all of a sudden, uh, <laughs> you know, everything is all over the place. Once you become, you get into the big leagues, you know, you have sort of, you're under the microscope, you know, whether it's the, the fans, the media, your, your organization, you have so much going on, you got to be able to handle all that stuff. And so, you know, I want to emulate myself after somebody who was professional, who was a team player. And so I saw so many guys and I played with so many guys. So I was able to really form my own identity in that sense. No, absolutely, and you know, you end up, uh, you know, as you as you come up to the majors, you know, you start you start for a little while, and then you kind of get into the role of a reliever. Now, when, what time, or what year would you think around was the time that you kind of got content with being that, let's say, left-handed specialist in the bullpen? Because you know that that always becomes a transition with a lot of left-hand pitchers. That you know, you go out there, you could pitch, you know, you could start, you could pitch seven innings if you need to, but then you get to a point where you know you can go out there and pitch you know, one or two, and then it, it comes to a point where you, you you start to focus or teams start to make you focus on getting only that one left-hand batter out. Well, fortunately for me, I did it when I was young. And then, uh, due to my uh, ability to be resilient, my arm to be resilient, to come back and bounce back a whole lot, people stretch me out in innings. So I was a, a, a shorter reliever, a longer reliever, a starter, back to middle relief, back to center, back to all over. So early in my career, it kind of built me up to, to, to be ready for anything because I did a bunch of stuff. And so my last you know, five, six, seven years, I was more of a swing man. I could do whatever they asked me to. My last couple of years, I was closer to a specialist. Uh, that, you know, they want to run me out there for as many innings as often when you get close to 40. But it, like I said, essentially it was I was able to do it. I was young. I was a reliever. Then all of a sudden I became a long reliever and a starter. And I was able to, to bounce back. So that, that was my strength. That being my strength, I think, that was, I was very fortunate to be, you know, seven times, you know, be all over the place. I was able to, to roll the punches, and no matter what uniform I was still not, I was still playing that, you know, the great game of baseball. You know, it's, a, it's a great situation for anybody if you can, you know, follow your dream and play your dream. And uh, I was real fortunate for a long time. But, you know, having that chance to be a left-hand specialist at the end of my career, I think, was was, was special because I did it in the beginning of my career. And it, it kind of let, let me, how can I say, build all those memories and experiences and put them into one where I didn't have to do as much physically at the end of my career. 
yeah, you ended up seeming to get a chance to do a little bit of everything, and that's you know that's something that I think every pitcher would want to experience to at least see, uh, you know, if their if their strengths could be at a number of different positions. Like there's all, you know, you know, being being a relief pitcher, you could be any one of a different number kind of relievers. Yeah, you know, uh, I, I I was very fortunate, like I said, but I, I think uh, out of team philosophies, every other team has different teams that have different philosophies. They, they need a guy who can suck up some innings. They need a guy who can lift these up. They need a guy who can start, spot start. And and that was one of my strengths. I was willing to do that also. I, I didn't need a role. You know, when you're younger, it's nice to have one. You feel like you can concentrate on, on that role itself. But by the time I got to be 28, 29 years old, I didn't need a role anymore. You know, I, was, I was ready for whatever you gave me. I just wanted to take the ball every day, help the team the best I could. And, and you know, from there, you know, you just you want to get a chance to win and play on a good team. And I was fortunate to play on some good teams. You know, we, I never made it to the World Series, but you know, my experience was I can you know, look back and say I, I had a chance to play in many hundreds of games and, and share it with, with plenty of good teammates, good teams, you know, my family. It was just a... I don't know how they create ideas. I I wish I could play longer, but the mother nature tells tells you when it's over. No, uh, it does sometimes. Once again, John Pielli here with Ron Valone. Now, you know, obviously you were, you were traded on a number of occasions, and, you know, the you know it kind of is a double-edged sword a little bit because I think, it, you know, it kind of could become bothersome to a player to have to keep on moving and changing cities and changing the different affiliations, but it also shows that you're in demand. There's, there's team, you know, for teams to make a trade for you, that obviously means that there's teams that want you and, and value your ability and what you can do. What was your what, – what was your overall outlook on be, on ending up playing with so many different organizations? You know, I, I think I was fortunate enough to, to make it to the big leagues with Seattle, who's the team who drafted me, but I was also kind of had, uh, I don't even want to say crossroads, but I was kind of surprised how fast I got traded to the major leagues. So within my first year of getting into the major leagues, I was traded to the Padres and Seattle Mariners. And, you know, at first I was like, I couldn't believe it, but the second I, I stepped into the door into San Diego, they were, you know, opening up with open arms, they welcomed me, and I, I got a chance to pitch. And from there on, like, you know, I understand there's a business side of it. You can't take it personal. And, you know, I think the younger you are, the better you grasp that part of it. You know, the better you run to your job. You know, the better you can get things done. You can stay focused and really stick the traffic in hand, which is, which is pitching and getting people out, helping the team out and doing those things to, to be successful. Now, very true. Now, you end up finally uh, making it to the postseason with the Houston Astros in 1991. Tell us a little bit about your your first feeling about being in the postseason, and you know, what, what, what was it? You know, what was it that that huge of an experience getting to the postseason for the first time? Well, you know, I guess it was because I was trained off a couple of teams that were doing postseason uh, before. So, you know, I was the younger player. They were getting the, the veteran guys, and and after a few years of that happening. Uh, in 2001, I was in Colorado, and I got traded, uh, I think it was for Jay Powell, a reliever, and I went to, to Houston, and, you know, fortunately, fortunately enough for me, the, uh, the Astros started taking off when I went there, they were already in contention, they were already in a pennant race with the, the Cardinals, and uh, it was a, a race down to the water to the end, you know, and it was, it was so much fun to be in, it's my first time, uh, that was also, you know, I was... Uh, <laughs> I was playing that night, you know, I, I think I had like 12 starts and 30 summer week of gear, just I was doing everything and anything to help the team. And, and it finally paid off for that time to get, the, get in the post 
Now, and I tell you, that, you know, that Astros team and, you know, the Astros teams that made the postseason in that time had a very good core of, 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 play, of players that were kind of all in the prime of their career. You know, it, it probably had to be exciting to feel like you, you legitimately had a chance being in the playoffs that year. You could have won the whole thing. You know, there, there's – if you can just squeeze into the postseason, it doesn't matter how you get there, you get a chance. And, you know, with the core players they had, with, you know, Jeff Bagel and Craig Vigio, uh, I played with Brad Ossos before. Uh, I, I knew I knew the hitters were playing against them in the past years, a whole bunch. So uh, real, real fast, you know, things were clicking. That team knew that where they wanted to be every year. They wanted to be in the postseason. They wanted to win it all. Now it didn't work out that way, but still the experience of getting there, knowing what it takes to be uh, you know, a team that plays in October. They were a fundamental team. It was so much fun to see guys just do the basics, and that's what propelled them to get into that play in October. Now, Dad, once again, John Pialli here with Ron Malone. And, you know, you, you continue to change teams throughout the 2000s, but, you know, you finally get to play for the Yankees. If I'm not mistaken, the Yankees were the team you rooted for when you were a child, right? <laughs> Correct. You know, it was a long time coming in a sense. A dream come true, an honor. You know, there's so many things I could say about it, but, uh, you know, I, I had a real, real fortunate uh, experience in the year before I went to New York. I was uh, with the with the Seattle Mariners, got traded to the Marlins on the deadline, July 31st of 2005, and uh, you know I really, really worked with the people well there. I knew a couple of them in, in Florida, and after the year, you know things were going separate ways. Everybody who had, I guess, uh, you know, different ideas of philosophies about salaries, young players, the Marlins were going to go in another direction, and they traded me back home to you know to New York. And I, and in my experiences with the uh, because there are people that are real great, and they let me know right away, and it was just, uh, how can I say, it was great trip. Yeah, now at that time, you get traded to the Yankees. You got 11 years in the big leagues. It, it, was there still that awe that existed, you know, when you were younger, the whole thought about, you know, pitching for the New York Yankees with Monument Park and the history and everything that's involved with the Yankee organization? You know, I, I have to <laughs> 100% yes, there's... You go to spring training, you know, you're wearing the uniform, you're wearing the spring training uniform, you're, you're getting excited, you know, the fans are there, people fly south for spring training for the games, you know, we're prepping, we're getting ready, you know, for a championship season, and, and the way, you know, the Yankees prepared was just that, just how I envisioned it, you know, we prepared to, to, to win everything in October, and, you know, it was our first time going to the Yankees State wearing the pinch rights after being uh, a visitor and, and a follower for so many years. Uh, it was everything that I thought it would be, you know, breathtaking, uh, but also, you know, it makes you feel like you're, you're going to go out there and show, you know, what, what you're made of, and you got the biggest audience and the best city in the world. So, you know, it was a long time coming. I'm real proud, and I uh, met a lot of good people there, too, and, and I was Great. So happy to have the opportunity. Yeah, now, of course, you end up getting in the postseason in 2006 and 2007 with the Yankees. Now, you know, for your career, the three years, you didn't give up an earned run. Is that something, number one, that you're aware of? Number two, is that something that you're kind of proud of? I'm, sure, uh, I'm aware of it now more than I was then. You know, I, I, I'm not a big stat guy. I'm more guy if you can get out, see if I know way to get out, especially while you're playing, as a pitcher hand. You know, now I can look back and reflect on it. You know, I did all the prepping, all the off-season work, all the stuff you do, all, all the 
fundamental of our role of PFP, the pitchers fielding practice, backing up bases, you name it, knowing hitters. You know, like you did, you know, earlier in the season, but like I did the year before, the two and three years before when I see these guys that came up. If that, that chance came up, would I be ready? Would I be, you know, prepared? And uh, the, the value of having that experience while I was able to play for the Astros and Yankees being in the postseason was, you know, it was just... There's not enough words because everything that I thought and prepared for, it came to those small moments. And, and I was able to help the team out. Unfortunately, things didn't work out for us, but I, I get another great experience I, I couldn't you know, ever forget. And we're just going to jump you out here with Ron Vallone. Now, you know, when it comes to pitching for so many different teams, uh, you're in a group with Matt Stairs and Mike Morgan. You pitched for 12 different or major league organizations. And Octavio Dotel is the only one to actually pitch for 13 teams. Uh, is, is that something that, that you look back on and kind of reflect and just realize, wow, dude, I, I, move, I moved around to so many different organizations over, you know, the course of a career. It's probably something that's difficult to duplicate. You know, there's, there's, like I said, there's and somebody wanted to give me a chance to, to play, and I always looked at it, you know, if there's a chance, and, and the smallest chance that I, I get the chance to play, I'm going to do it. And, you know, it's, it's a number, I mean, he's a play for it, it's great and everything, and I, I, when I was playing, you know, I, it was hard to have you know, a loyalty to, to a team, obviously, playing for so many. And I had loyalty to the game, which was which was great, and, and that gave me the, the fuel to, 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 to find these ways to go from one locker room to another, go from one end of the country to the other real fast and be able to, you know, contribute. So, you know, knowing that it's, uh, you know, a, a number, the best thing about it for me is I get to share that with my young players now. There's a chance to be created. There's a chance somebody else will always watch you. I'm the only kids in the Oreo leagues who are pressing, stressing, putting everything on there, uh, on the line every day, and sometimes uh, always worried about what, you know, what's going to be happening to them the next season, the next week, the next day sometimes. It's kind of tough. So my experience, which is one of my best features, being created so many times, being released another four times and going to 12 organizations, uh, I can reflect now and say, you know, it's, it's, it's pretty cool. And I'm, I'm sharing it. I think that's where I get to realize that I did play for that many teams and I'm, I'm sharing it with young guys now. Now, you had a chance to pitch 15 years in the major leagues, and a lot of people, a lot of players that, that played that long or or even longer can, can say, all right, I'm going to remember myself as being a member of this organization. The fact that you moved around so much, it's a little hard uh, to, to put a certain organization by, let's say, your cap, uh, you know, when, it, when it's hanging there retired. What organization do you consider yourself? When you say Ron Vallone, the, the left-handed pitcher for 15 major league seasons, it, you, what, what do you consider yourself more of? You know, the, the easiest way for me to answer that question, God, is I'm a baseball player. Uh, I, I put on a uniform, and yes, it's different colors and, and, and pinstripes and logos. That I'm a baseball player, you know, and, and true to that is that I knew when I was young that's what I wanted to do, and I found a way to make it happen. There's, there's so much you can talk about saying, hey, I want to be loyalty for, you know, how do I envision myself of a this uniform and who do I want to retire with or how do I think of myself in the uniform? But for me, I'm a baseball player. There's just uh, no way to say that's about it. I, I, like I said, I grew up a Yankee fan. It was easy for me to, to be a Yankee fan. I, I was fortunate enough to go to the games when I was young. 
That was Ron Valone, longtime Major League pitcher. We're going to kick a quick break, be back with a lot more stuff going on. Pass Ball Show, JohnPielli.com. Back after this. Are you searching for something different for your child's education? Consider Atlantic Christian School, where faith and quality education meet. Listen to what one of our students has to say about their experience at ACS. Atlantic Christian School is a family. Through one of the toughest years in my life, my ACS family stood beside me. My teachers were loving and supportive, and my friends shined God's love in different ways to make each day brighter. Atlanta Christian has a nurturing academic environment and is a second home to me. I am thankful for the school and family with which God has blessed me. Join us for Open House every Wednesday from 8 a.m. to 1 p.m. at 391 Zion Road in Egg Harbor Township. Or enroll today. Visit us on the web at acseht.org or call 653-1199. Atlantic Christian School, where character, Christ, and community count. I'm Ron Sulpizi from the MTR Sports Report. Not sure where to eat? Then listen to these reviews. Awesome. Amazing Greek food. Everything is fresh. Great family restaurant in the heart of Ocean City. Katina's is an Ocean City staple. When you've had your fill of pizza, cheesesteaks, and ice cream, head for Katina's. Katina's Gyro Restaurant, 501 East 9th Street, Ocean City, New Jersey, 609-399-5525. Check out their website, katinasfoods.com. That's katinasfoods.com. Order their famous Mediterranean dressing, and they'll ship it right to your door. Follow us on Facebook and Twitter, Katina's Greek Restaurant. In your face, all over the place. We're online 24-7, 24-7. You're listening to the hottest internet station. MTR. back john pielli passball show mtr radio network thanks for tuning in thanks for making me part of your day next interview i'm going to get into is with a former major league pitcher his name is mark aker a right-hand pitcher to pitch with the oakland athletics organization from the years of 1994 to 1997 but in spite of having some success in the major leagues for a couple of different seasons with the athletics under tony la Russa, and as a college athlete at the University of New Mexico State, he was very good at another sport. And it's interesting to see how he, his priorities were maybe more shifted towards that one direction. But when people saw his ability to throw a baseball, 
he became a major league pitcher. And it's, you know, not always the guy that's the most well-renowned top player throughout all his life that ends up getting into big leagues. And you know about the Jim Morris story, which is phenomenal. A guy who was a high school coach that has stopped playing baseball ends up just having a restructuring of his arm, get to a point where he could throw so hard. Mark Aker, maybe not that type of story, but a story of a guy that was really meant to not really play baseball and ends up becoming a good major league player. So hopefully you guys enjoy this spot with Mark Aker, great guy, and a lot of great things we end up going over. Good afternoon, this is John Pielli. I'm here with former major league pitcher Mark Aker. Mark, thanks for having a couple minutes today. Hey, John. Thank you very much. Good to, good to be here. Absolutely. And I know, you know, before we get into your baseball career, I want you to talk a little bit about, you know, playing playing college basketball because you had a, you know, good experience and, you know, obviously part of, part of the Big West Conference. Tell us a little bit about, you know, your memories from playing college basketball. Yeah, absolutely. You know, got, uh, was able to, you know, in high school play, you know, basketball and baseball and all the development. I think I had a real passion for basketball. You know, being six and eight, and you know, in the eighties, watching the Jordans and the Birds and the Magic. So, as we had to go play, you know, under scholarship in New Mexico State, we played in NIT in the NCAA tournament, beat Las Vegas, and they were number one. And had Larry Johnson and Augman and Greg Anthony, just a great powerhouse team at the Tarkanian. It was such a great experience. You know, there they got to play in the NCAA tournament. I guess one of the very uh it was actually the game after Hank Gathers died and Bill Campbell shot the, the left-handed free throw. Tough try to be able to play them. You know, we were the villains right out of the gate, but uh, it's a great experience moving into uh, my baseball career. Yeah, no question. And of course, you end up uh, transitioning into a baseball career, and it's you know it's a little, a little interesting story about how you ended up getting signed by the Athletics. Yeah, it, it was uh, it, it was one of those developed apps, <laughs> but uh, I mean, once again, you know, you, you, you have passion for sports, and you you know your abilities, you're confident in your abilities, and I always thought I could play, you know, it's baseball, it, it, you know, at least a minor league level, and then uh, the baseball coach my fifth year asked me to come out and throw a bullpen because he had read in the, the basketball program that I threw a couple of no hitters in high school, but came out through a bullpen. And uh, he threw me into rotation in Division One college baseball, which was pretty humbling. You know, playing Oklahoma, Arizona, Arizona State, and all these schools, and didn't fare too well. Didn't have the arm strength, and you know, I had a pretty straight fastball, so I did the third, fourth inning, and he crushed with a little bat. But the A's saw a little something there. Signed me as a free agent. I didn't get drafted. Uh, they paid me five hundred dollars and sent me to Scottsdale. And I was in the big leagues and uh, about two and a half years playing for Tony LaRusso. I didn't even know he didn't feel fly roll, so that was kind of fun. But uh, great, great, once again, great experience and interesting time. Now, now, when, when you were younger, did, was really basketball your passion or were you just, uh, you know, athletic and just loved playing sports? Was, did basketball kind of stand out a little more to you as far as what you, what you really envisioned yourself doing? Yeah, I think basketball was just a, once again, just a, 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 I was so passionate about it. I had a basketball court. There was a continuing operation high school right behind my house that had lights on the court uh, at night, so there was no vandal system. So, you know, in California, I just played. I mean, I would play all night long until my mom joined me in the house. Because you could play by yourself. You know, my brother was a bunch of an athlete. And baseball came. You know, I hate to say it, but it was a lot, a lot more easier to me. I, you know, I, I was always a pitcher at first base, and I, I could hit pretty well. And you 
Memphis was always active outside. So those were the two things I latched on to. But uh, so either way for me, it was a win. You know, I wanted to be a professional basketball player, a baseball player. And, you know, once you can dunk in high school and uh, you're a hero, you know, every day, it's kind of easier to follow that path. So. Yeah, and I tell you, you follow, you know, people that, you know, have success playing basketball very young, and you just touched on it. It's just, it's one of the most self-gratifying things in regards to, you know, you could perform, you could dunk, you know, you're always drawing those large crowds, and, you know, even on a local level, you know, the people are out there to see what you can do and see, how you know, if you can impress them with some of the moves and, you know, dunks and stuff like that. Yeah, it, it, it was a great experience, I think, and uh, and I had to kind of tone it down for baseball. Once you get on the mound, you know, it's obviously a much slower paced game than basketball. So it, it took me my first year. I was in Reno, the minor league, my first full season, and I get up in the bullpen and just throw 100 miles an hour. I didn't know how to warm up. I think I had like 70 walks and 70 innings, but you know, I had you know a lot of strikeouts too. So I had to really learn how to control. You know, my, my, my adrenaline and my emotions to, to get, you know, to really hone in, you know, and pitch well. And I was able to, to make that adjustment. Um, so a lot of guys aren't, but uh, Kenny Lofton was a guy that, that, you know, myself at the time, were the only two players in Major League Baseball that had played in the NCAA tournament. I know the sports is bad, but uh, that was, that was a pretty cool staff that was always thrown up by Peter Gammons in spring training back in the day. Absolutely. Once again, John Pielli here with former Major League pitcher Mark Aker. Now, you know, you talk about, you know, making a transition from being really, uh, you know, out there in college to play basketball, and, you know, you get a chance to be part of a rotation for, for New, Mex New Mexico State, and eventually, you know, you, you get signed by the athletics. What, what was your biggest adjustment that you had to make? Because, obviously, you mentioned that, you know, you threw the ball hard, but you also, uh, you know, had a hard time with control and stuff like that. What was the major thing that you had to uh, adjust to get yourself to a point where you could be a successful professional pitcher? Great question. Great question, John. So, I, I think when I walked into that locker room, um, and, it, and it was later in the year, I didn't get signed. You know, the draft obviously was in June. And uh, I got signed. I was working out in California at Brookside Park, right next to the Rose Bowl. There was a bunch of guys trying to get drafted. My uncle lived in Pasadena. So he was like, come out and, you know, and play at this park. And, you know, think, oh, I'll kick it around for a while and see how it goes. And, um, and I was out there, and this, this guy came walking out wearing jeans. And, and she just looked like a normal guy off the street. Didn't have a radar gun or anything. Watched me pitch. You know, 6'8", 235 pounds, and, and walked up to me and said, you have a plate before? I said, no. He goes, are you sure? I'm like, yeah. He goes, well, I think I want to sign you and send you to Scottsdale. And sure enough, I signed a contract the next time I was in Scottsdale, and the pitching coach that I was there with Gil Patterson at the time just made a few tweaks, you know, you know, stay, stay over the top, you know, don't open your shoulder too quickly, taught me a nice little slider and next thing you know, I was off and running. You know, I was 2 0 in rookie ball. I was really starting to get that arm strength. But uh, I think that was the, the foundational skills that really started that. I only see the system pretty quickly. Now, you take yourself back to that time. You know, you, you get signed, you, you show up in, uh, in Arizona. Uh, did you feel that you were at, maybe at a disadvantage to a lot of the other players that were there, for instance, some that were drafted, some that may have been there with the organization for a year or two based off that situation and what you were coming from? 
Yeah, no question. And then you end up, uh, you know, through through parts of of four seasons from '94 to '97, you end up pitching at the major league level. In your own mind, Mark, was there was there a moment or two that kind of stood out for you as far as you know what one experience that you'll never forget of something that happened on the diamond while you're playing? Yeah, I have some good ones and, and bad ones, so I'll give you the Hall of Fame moment. That's right. <laughs> um, I think it was my seventh outing in Toronto. It's a debut. You know, my debut in Kansas City will always, you know, be the greatest, but I think one of the, the best outings that I had, I was in Toronto, and I think we were up by one run, so Ken Secretary obviously was in the bullpen Hall of Fame, we warming up to go out and close it, and uh, for two outs, in the in the uh, in the inning, Terry Steinbach here, like three right over. So automatically, you know, it's a safe situation. Uh, the the phone rings and it's like, hey, Terry, you're here, you're up. I run down and start to start to you know warm up. Didn't even throw a pitch. The next guy, I think Scott Brocious, uh, hit a line drive to third base. I'm in the game. So this is one of those situations where don't think, just throw. So I didn't even know who I was facing, and it ended up being uh, uh, actually was Paul Molitor, Joe Carter, and Roberto Almar. Wow. I, I struck him out on 10 pitches. It was Sports Illustrated. It was probably thrown about 95, 96 that day. So that was uh, that was one of them I still have on film. I leave in the uh, TV player when friends come over. <laughs> Nah, that's phenomenal, and I tell you, you know, you get a chance to stick around in the major, the major leagues, and yeah, I obviously have the chance to, to experience something like that. As you go as you go forward, did you ever think, and obviously, you know, you mentioned you still play basketball now, was, was that something that you ever thought about doing, maybe trying to pursue playing basketball on a professional level as well? Yeah, it, it is. You know, I, I, when I played in, uh, when I came from junior college here in New Mexico State, I was the second leading uh, scorer in the state of California behind Cedric Sabellas at the time. Yeah. The average was about 32. And of course, he went on to have a great uh, NBA career. I'm friends with him to this day. He lived in Phoenix as well. And uh, I had a chance to play in Australia uh, for the Sydney Kings coming out of college. But that's when I kind of chased the baseball dream and never thought I would make it. To be honest with you, John, I just thought, you know, hey, I'll keep it around on the minors for a couple of years, have back a lot of fun, and I'll still be able to go, you know, play basketball, but things obviously worked out on the baseball side. And I think that might have attributed to my, my quick rise because I didn't put a lot of pressure on myself. I was our first rounder, so I didn't have those, you know, those pressures like some of those guys did. So uh, it was just kind of a pleasant surprise for me to, to get to that level, I think, for everybody, including me. Yeah, no question. Once again, John Pialli here with Mark Aker. Now, you know, as you as you end up leaving, uh, you know, the athletics organization, you, you end up playing some ball in Japan for the Yokuhat Swallows in 1998. Uh, you know, tell us a little bit about that experience. I'm sure it's something that you know you were you were approached by an opportunity to play professionally over over to Japan. Was that something that you were receptive to, or was it something that you just kind of accepted because it was you know it was a, it was a contract? Yeah, we actually have a choice. Um, you know, they have an agreement now with Major League Baseball, so you have to kind of agree to, you know, to terms that the team does as well. Kind of similar to, to what they do, you know, having people pursue a Japanese player. And this is before a lot of the players had come over. I think at the time it was only Nomo that was here. Um, and maybe Arahu had just come over, but it's for Chiro, 
in that scene somewhere, guys. So, um, Billy Bean, obviously, who people know, you know, it's the assistant GM, and of course, he, he told me that uh, uh, some of the Japanese scouts were going to be following me. And I was like, okay, you know, they, they, I think they're, they're looking to sign you. At the time, the, the, the major league minimum, I think, was 135. Not the big dollar that those guys are making now, so I was making about 150 at the time. Still great money. But uh, long story short, the Japanese followed me for a few outings and said that they wanted to sign me for half a million dollars, which actually tripled my contract. And then the A's got compensated as well. So it's like uh, I chased the dollars and went over there and uh, had a really good first year, the second best year in the, in the league over there. When I got there, the caliber of baseball was off the charts. I was really surprised how good the pitching was. Um, I think pretty much every guy on my starting five could have pitched in the major league. And uh, and then uh, the hitters were a lot of the Cheryl style, not a lot of strikeouts, out of the ball into the dirt, beating it out. But it was a great experience. I feel like I developed as a pitcher there. I was excited for the opportunity to come back, but, but got hurt, so I didn't, didn't have that chance. Now you, you end up getting to a moment, and every every player, every pitcher, and, and you know that that plays baseball professionally gets to that moment where you feel that, all right, I'm probably getting near the end. Was was that tough for you when when you realized that you know probably you probably weren't long for for playing professionally anymore? Yeah, that, that wasn't the case for me though, John. I mean, I had actually my last outing um, was against the Giants. The last year I faced was Matt Sealy actually putting wow. down. In, uh, in our stadium, uh, Shinjuku Stadium, and, and my shoulder had been bothering me, you know, a little bit. I think it was from hitting, because we hit over there. It was kind of like the National League. Yeah. Um, I was starting, I was starting there, so I was hitting quite a bit. And then uh, it wasn't like a, a, something that happened dramatic. My velocity started to, to decrease. And then uh, I think there was a little bit of a language barrier with how bad, bad it was hurting. and couple shots of cortisone, and next thing you know, I go see Yoakum, and uh, Dr. Yoakum in Alabama, obviously famous, you know, surgeon, that did surgery, and said, said I was pretty much done, so it happened over, overnight, wow. which was really, which was really kind of, uh, you know, kind of, kind of crazy, but, but once again, you know, nobody gets their career like Cal Ripken, you get 10 years, you want 11, if you get 11, you want 12, you know, it, it goes on and on, I'm just very thankful that I had the opportunity to play with some great players, play for Tony, and, uh, you know, really live, live a dream. So it was fantastic. Now, last question, Mark. In regards to Tony La Russa, he's obviously getting inducted into the Baseball's Hall of Fame this year. What, what, is your, what is your perception of having him as a manager? Obviously, he's known as one of the best to ever do it. Um, you know, a little bit about your experience playing for Tony La Russa. It, it was great. I, I, I had a ton of respect for Tony. After, you know, obviously, was an A's fan growing up in the Bay Area. So, you know, watched the A's, you know, before I even, you know, in high school, before I, I got to play with him. But I think the biggest thing that separates Tony, you know, is, you know, talk is cheap. And I remember, you know, you come in and, you know, and you, you say all the things about what you're going to do and, you know, you know, performing and what you say to the newspapers or the media. You know, it's all about performing and following through, you know, and, and being a man and holding yourself accountable and being part of the team. You know, they have so many great players. You know, some people say, you know, I could roll the balls and, and, and bats out there and one parents. That's not the case. I mean, you got to manage different personalities. you got to be tough. Playing is tough. You know, there were days when we'd come in and, 
you know, get our butts kicked and, you know, he'd, he'd, he'd hit the spread or lock the door and say, you guys aren't eating tonight. <laughs> when your stomach growls, think of me, you know. So he wanted to win. You know, he wanted to win for him. And uh, so it was a great experience. And, and hopefully I'll get the chance to go to Cooperstown and see him in Duckdale trying to make that happen. But, uh, but in Duncan as well, the guy with the Diamondbacks, hopefully I'll get a chance to reconnect with him. They were just fantastic to play for him. Yeah, that's great, Mark. I want to thank you for having some time. appreciate you giving me a couple minutes, and best of luck to your continued success. Thanks, Sean. I'll see you, my friend. Nice spot there with Mark Aker, and you see how he makes the transition from being a very good basketball player to a major league pitcher. We're going to take a quick break, finish up the program. Thanks, everybody, for tuning in. We'll be back in a, in a quick minute. This is Lady E, one of the many broadcasters at MTR Radio. If you're listening to mtrradio.com, fantastic. Que bueno. But if you want to take us with you, we have an app for your smartphone that lets you listen to us 24-7. Just go to Google Play on your Android device or the iPhone App Store and download our app, MTR Radio. Welcome back, John Pialy, Passball Show, MTR Radio Network. We're going to finish the program up with an interview I recorded with a guy by the name of Frank Martinez, who runs a, a baseball clinic up in Canada, and you know, great guy to get to talk to. So hopefully, you guys enjoy this spot with Frank Martinez. Hi, this is John Pialy. I'm here with Frank Martinez. Frank, for, thanks for having a couple minutes today. Hi, we're the U12 program at MDG Baseball. Okay. Uh, we've been working with uh, some it's, uh, same group of kids since 2005, and. Uh, we think we have what it takes to take the kids to uh, this year. Oh, that's awesome, man. And, you know, what, what ended up getting you into it? What, what, uh, what brought your interest to want to, to be part of something like this? Well, I really wanted to love it again. Uh, um, I grew up in uh, Canada, 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 uh, uh, for winter leagues, winter work. Winter, uh, after the war, obviously, uh, move uh, out of the country and have to travel the world. Ended up in Canada. And, uh, you know, when I started having a child of my own, I totally love the game and uh, not the hell with the game with baseball. Consequently, I started coaching them. Um, I was fortunate to land at MDG Baseball in Montreal, and uh, they have uh, uh, a background of a group of people that are dedicated for to a baseball and at younger age. Um, they have a program that runs kids from 5 to 18, and little by little, you know, we ended up uh, building a great organization. Now, now, when you were when you were younger, where where did you grow up? I grew up in Nicaragua. I was part of the little league uh, team that played a couple of uh, of uh, tournaments uh, uh, international. Um, uh, after that, due uh, to the war, Nicaragua back in seventy nine eighty had to relocate to uh, Canada and ended up in Canada, and that's where I played my baseball as a youth. When I came back here in Canada, I uh, continued playing at uh, junior level, but I also uh, have to learn, you know, it's a different 
different life for an immigrant when you move into a new country and opportunity are very slight. <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. Now, now, when when you were when you were playing, did you did you see yourself? Uh, you know, obviously, you know, the goal is, you know, what you're playing to maybe you know take that next step and be able to play professionally. Uh, was that something that you thought was a reasonable possibility when you were younger? Uh, absolutely, absolutely. When I was nine year old, I was playing with uh, mostly all uh, twelve, fourteen year old groups. Um, my father played Sinfro in Karawa and he had uh, tremendous talent. Actually, the whole family um, uh, was a very uh, talented and very visual. Um, James Martinez, uh, who is a relative uh, down the line, uh, obviously was a, a very active president uh, in, uh, in, uh, in, in our family, in our, in our uh, circle of uh, groups. Um, and he managed to do pretty well in the majors. Yeah, he kind of did okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Now, now, you know, as you move forward, is there was there was there any time that you you just felt that you know maybe maybe you know you were better off going in a different direction? Like, did you get were you interested in doing coaching? You know, while you were still playing, or is this something you thought about later on? Well, the way, you know, life has a, a funny way of turning things around on you without you noticing. Um, I played competitive ball until maybe I was uh, 18. I had a very bad injury, uh, torn some ligaments on my ankle, and from there I pretty much uh, stopped playing competitive baseball. Um, as I healed, you know, I just started playing softball with friends and a group, a strong group of uh, friends. Uh, we grew up uh, playing ball and we started shooting baseball. Um, out of that group of 10 guys, we have only six coaches around the island uh, in the region of Montreal. Yeah, that's awesome. Once again, John Pialli here with Frank Martinez. Now, and before I let you go, just uh, let the listeners know where, where, they, where they can get a hold of you if they're interested in you know the teaching and the stuff that you're doing now. Well, um, anyone can hold all of us through our website, www.nbgbrazil.org. Uh, we're an extremely group of, uh, of uh, people who are there uh, for the love of the game. Uh, we are all volunteers uh, uh, within the organization. We have uh, several uh, excellent uh, teachers. We have Terry Joseph, who's been a uh, 10-year uh, coach of uh, the university level here in, in, uh, in Montreal. Uh, and we also have uh, uh, Ray Tavari, who was uh, a play pro ball for the uh, Indy Miners for the Expos organization. And Terry uh, Romero, who played pro ball in Venezuela. He's one of our coaches as well. Uh, he was drafted by, or signed by the case back in the early days. Uh, I mean, you know what? The whole everything we do is for the love of the game and the good for the kids. No, absolutely. Listen, Frank, I want to thank you for having some time. I appreciate you giving me a couple minutes, and best of luck to you. Thank you so much. Big thanks to Ron Swoboda, Ron Vallone, Mark Aker, and, of course, Frank Martinez for being part of the program. We'll be back with you next week. Passball Show, MTR Radio Network. Don't forget to check out JohnPiella.com. Rock over London, rock on Chicago. American Airlines, we mean business in Chicago.